Hey there, my name is Lars van Vegan, welcoming you to the Burnout Power Podcast. The show where you will get inspired from people all over the world who not only recovered from burnout, but also grew more powerful afterwards. You will get encouraging stories, insights and actionable tips to move you away from your burnout history into a stable and powerful life. Let me know what you think via Lars at burnoutpower.com. In today's episode, our guest is Carrie Severson, who has done some inspiring things after recovering from burnout. When she shared her burnout story on the Huffington Post, her whole life changed as she told her authentic story. Carrie now is an intuitive storytelling coach, and from her platform, The Unapologetic Voice, she helps you to find, express, and publish your inner voice. Hi, Carrie. Welcome. Hi, thank you. That was a great intro. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Very nice to have you on our show today. Thank you. Gary, um, let's dive right in as our listeners can't wait to hear your powerful stories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and to start it off easy, Gary, I learned you're really into Pilates. And how does this how does this secret weapon of yours help you prevent stress or another burnout? Well, Pilates is the I I do I'm on the equipment and I'm in really fast paced classes that focus on lengthening, strengthening, but really it's the only thing I can find that helps me turn my thoughts off and really focus on my my body and its entire vehicle. So finding the connection to each individual muscle and allowing my body to sort of lengthen and giving it 60 minutes to have a full expression without the chatter of what I'm supposed to do that day and what I owe who to, you know. <laughs> so yeah. it's the only thing I found that truly allows me to work my body, mind and spirit connection while giving myself a cardio, you know, a cardio, ex- you know, experience. I love it. I've been doing it for probably 12 years, off and on for 12 years. And there's so many different types of classes I can go to here in Arizona. The Western side of the country has really adopted a new sort of style of Pilates where it is focused on, it's not just focusing on lengthening your body, but it is focused on cardio and express sort of classes. So it gives everyone a bunch of different options to choose from. I can imagine that you've tried a lot and I, I and also for, let's say, yoga or other things, it's very difficult to really shut off the mind. And I think that's the trick in uh, also with yoga. And But it's it's great that you found this sport that, that actually does that with you. Yeah, I found that with yoga because I have, I it's so easy for me to feel connected. I've been meditating daily, sometimes twice, three times a day for 12 years. I find that when I go to a yoga class, my my energy expands and i find that if i'm in a class with other people my mind is almost like turned higher like it's it's more chatter and so i i it doesn't work for me i uh i prefer like you know the really slow yoga where you're basically doing like four poses in an hour and there's candles and you know i could fall asleep if i wanted that's the only type of yoga that works for me <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a special yoga variant. Yeah, uh-huh. I haven't found that one. Yeah, okay. It's well, that's, uh, that's 
Yeah, there are so many different forms, but also good to hear that with Pilates, there are so many forms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in this in this period, what, what were some favorite books that have also helped you recover strongly from burnout? Things like, oh my gosh, I read so much. So uh, I found the fiction actually helped me recover easiest. So I would go back to one of my favorite authors is Janet Ivanovich. And I would read her series, anything that she wrote, because she has this ability to infuse humor into her, uh, her copy, her language. And anytime I'm able to laugh, I had like a sense of relief. I still do. Whenever I feel myself getting even the tiniest bit stressed, I will turn to one of her books and she has, and she's got one series that has 25 books in it. So, and it's all about a female body hunter who never really, nothing really ever goes right for her. And she's got a crazy family and crazy partners. And it's just so lighthearted. And for me, I have, I have to laugh. So I would turn to fiction. Uh yeah definitely fiction and not the informative books on uh, the burnout itself but to just to get some ease of mind and some yes. humor laughs yeah that's, uh, uh, that's once a- i found the like what burnout was then i didn't want to i mean i was already working with naturopaths and massage therapists and i was already invested in self-care for me i had to find a way to turn my mind off and to be and so Yeah, anything that would let me laugh and feel light was something I leaned into. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, to to expand on that, so burnout comes with a variety of crashes you can experience. For instance, just having no clue how to get from your bed to the toilet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us a story of your most laughable, your most ridiculous crash moment during your burnout. Hmm. Well, I remember this one time my car was running in the driveway, the door was open and I was running through the house looking for the keys. And my mom (laughs) happened to be there and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm late. I can't find my keys. And she looks out of the window and she's like, you have it in the driveway. It's running. And that actually really scared her. And she's like, I don't think you should be driving. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I sat in the car for a second and I really, really questioned, okay, I, that's never happened before. I mean, I'm not that person that loses, you know, wallet, keys, purse. I put it in the same place all the time. The fact that I turned the car on and then forgot I was in my car already. So I actually... That's terrible. Yeah. yeah, I actually did get out of the car and I called whoever I was meeting and I was like, I'm sorry to do this the last minute, but I need this to be a phone meeting. I can't, I don't think I should be driving. So that was probably, that wasn't too far before... I was like, I got it. Something needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've made a wise decision not going on the road then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, well, you, you've had it in, headed into this burnout, but to recover from burnout, many people try a vast amount of methods or therapies to recover. Mm-hmm. What was in the end the most beneficial for you and how come? I re- well, I remember it was my 35th birthday and I was miserable. I was super sad. And I mean, it was like the, I remember waking up on that day and before I checked like my phone or Facebook or anything for happy birthday messages, I heard the word burnout and I had no idea what it was. And so I Googled it and saw the definition and then made a firm decision in that morning 
that I was going to give myself time to recover. And so I went downstairs and I made a list out of things that made me happy, that I knew made me happy. And then my list was very dancing made me happy, glitter made me happy, coloring made me happy, playing in the ocean, riding roller coasters. And so my method to recovery literally was play. I had to find a way to, again, find the lightness of life again, because I felt like I was suffocating. And I, you know, was in this, this like almost cave, I couldn't find a way out of. So if I played in, if I played more in life, doing things that felt fun and almost childlike, the idea for me was that I would be able to almost let the heaviness of my, of my life fall away and I could approach it in a different, with a different mindset. And so I spent a lot of time dancing. I went to like parks and played on the swing set. Um, I would color a lot. Um, and then eventually started getting back involved in dance classes, found my way to like baby, you know, like I cat sat for a friend of mine who lives in Los Angeles. So I was able to play at the ocean for a little while. So I really, my method was play. Yeah. So you made a lot of fun and sort of similar, similar to reading those books, uh, you, the the lighthearted part, so the, the the having fun, playfulness. That's the the main thing for you in your recovery. Yeah. To get to the play, though, there was a lot of there was a lot of journaling. There was a lot of crying. There was a lot of like EFT tapping, and I mean, there was those pieces because. In order to let more light in, I had to find a way to release the heaviness. And so it's not like you just wake up one day, all right, I'm going to go on a roller coaster (laughs) and feel better. I had to address the anger, the resentment, the heaviness that I had carried with me for so long um, in order to make room in my life. And so the method of recovery was play, but it didn't start to really work for me until I was able to address how I ended up in burnout in the first place. And a lot of that was, I didn't go talk to a true you know, therapist. I used methods like EFT tapping, which is used in PSD or um, post-traumatic stress disorder patients. There was a lot of like Reiki, a lot of massage therapy, a lot of journaling, a lot of crying, a lot of screaming. But once I a lot felt of different like, angles. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it all comes like, together. And then yeah. the playfulness that, that really helps moving forward. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that idea that to get something new, you have to do something new. And when I looked at how did I end up in burnout to begin with, I actually went started by going um, giving myself a full like eight-week hiatus from work. At the time, I was an entrepreneur. I am an entrepreneur, but I was running a business and I was running a nonprofit. So I could put responsibilities onto my board of directors. And I gave myself an eight-week break. And I started by looking at my journals. Out of curiosity, this sort of came to me where I'm like, how did I end up in burnout? What, Where did this start? So I'm a professional writer, so I journal all the time. And I went back and I started looking even from like a couple of months prior to my 35th birthday. And I was finding words that had this desperate energy to it, like need and lack. And uh, there was a lot of pleas. Like I was pleading to, you know, God, the universe for help and felt depleted. And so I started by journaling and allowing that desperation, that resentment, that anger to just sort of pour out. Yeah, that's uh, 
a heavy period for uh, for you then back then. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at some point there, you sort of recovered from burnout and you start picking up work again, either in in an office or as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But after you co- the recovery, there's a huge risk of fallback. So ending up with the second or third burnout. Mm-hmm. What what problems did you experience in that in that crucial time? So I went back to work. I called a meeting with my board of directors and I said, everything has to change. The way we do business has to change. And we created a program where I was essentially, we created a train the trainer program where I was no longer in the center of my business. I was at the top as a CEO should be. And I was selling our material to facilitators that somebody else would train. And these facilitators would go out and offer our program to other people. So I completely flipped our business model in order to prevent me from going back into that burnout space. As far as making sure I didn't go touch burnout again, I drew, I literally kind of made a non-negotiable list for myself. What are things that are from this point forward, non-negotiable for me. Self-care is one. The second I feel like I'm moving into something from a place of obligation, I say no to it and I look at it. And why do I feel I have to do this? Because the minute you move into obligation versus opportunity, you're carrying something with you that isn't yours. And for me, the idea of burnout again was that I couldn't get out of this cave. I was carrying all this energy that wasn't mine and I'm no longer willing to do that. So for me, the non-negotiable list, self-care, recognizing obligation versus opportunity, uh, personal life, creating space in my life for play, for dating, for my family, for friends. I lost so many friends when I was working as hard as I was to put me in burnout to begin with. Non-negotiable from that point forward was Mm -hmm. I was going to have a healthy personal life. And that was as important to me as a career. This had a lot of consequences, the, these decisions you took at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So how did this organization where you, where you work, how, does it re- how did it respond to all this change? They understood. They got it. They didn't want me to be unhappy or you know suffer. And I presented it to them already having a lawyer in place who could create contracts, already having an idea of where we could start selling our material. So it wasn't like I just sat down and I was like, this is it. We have to do this. I spent time thinking about a solution and presented it mm-hmm. as a proposal to them. So they liked it. They you know, wanted to see how we could sell it, how we could create financial sustainability for ourselves. So I wasn't out hustling as hard as I was. And once they saw the produced results and we started earning a higher revenue due to being able to offer our program at more than one time, like several times at the same time, they were like, oh, we should have done this from the beginning. It turned out really positive. Oh, yeah, that's good to hear. And if feelings of stress or burnout surface again, you, what, are the few, what are the first few actions you take? Is it that, that non-negotiable list you, you pop out and... I usually call a friend who... I mean, burnout is a really recognizable feeling that gratefully most people, unfortunately, most people don't recognize until they're literally in it. Having been on the upper, uh, having been there and now being on the other side of it, <laughs> the second yeah. I feel, or you know what, I can physically see it on my body first. If I feel like my clothes are getting too tight or my face is getting too bloated or my eyes are bloodshot, I'm like, okay, there's something off here. 
I need a personal, like a mental health day or a personal day. And gratefully having running you know, my own business, I can move things around. And I do the second, if I don't feel well and I need to show up and do something. And again, that sense of obligation, I hit pause, go back to bed and allow my body to rest and allow my mind to rest. It's that piece that like, if we're in burnout and we don't do something different, we're keeping ourselves in burnout. We're the really, we're the ones that can make the decision to change it. And yeah, so I go back to that obligation, non-negotiable list. Yeah. But first recognizing the symptoms is very, is key with you. Yeah. And I usually see, I usually physically see it. And then I check in with my body and I'm like, oh yeah, I can't stop my mind from racing and my anxiety level is high and nothing good happens in this space. Mm. So we're going to take a break. Yeah. Uh, Then it's definitely non-negotiable. You have to take a break. So you're very strict on that for yourself. Yes. Yeah. It's a good one. And I will say that now I actually space like um, last week I, I run a podcast and last week I had six or seven interviews in four days and then planned out this week being much more desk orientated. Um, I blocked a lot of space out in my, in my week. And so I can recognize even forecasting this week was a little intense for me. So next week I'm going to create some more space so that I can do what I want to do without having to check my calendar. Yeah. So balancing out throughout your, uh, your work weeks. Yeah. After the recovery, it's often the decisions you take that shape your, your post burnout life. So you, you told me a little bit about your um, decisions you took directly after the recovery. What was in the end the best decision that initiated your journey from being the ex-burnout patient left behind with a mental scar and weaker energy to someone who grew stronger and more powerful than ever? So mm-hmm. what was your best decision in that, in that period? The best decision was actually talking about it. I remember I like in it, I felt so isolated, like no one would understand what I was going through. And then in my recovery journey, which literally took about a year, I mean, this isn't a fast recovery because you, I spent a number of years getting to that breaking point. It's not like you wake up tomorrow and everything's fine. It took me a year to unravel what I, you know, what I put myself through. So I was out in Los Angeles playing at the beach. My I was staying at my girlfriend's house. She was off doing something and I was watching her cats. And I found myself at this party with a bunch of other writers. And I happened to meet somebody at the Huffington Post who, you know, once you find, once you meet another writer, if you're in an editing position and you're looking for content, the conversation usually turns to pitches. And so I pitched her and I was like, hey, I actually am in Los Angeles because... I am recovering from burnout. I've spent the last year just sort of training other people to do what I've spent the last number of years doing. And I came out here so I could spend time at the ocean and kind of feel peace again. And she's like, oh, Ariana Huffington is just wrote this book about burnout. You should write something and pitch it to us. And I was like, okay. And hmm. that's talking about it from a healthier perspective, from a healthier point of view, really did change my life. It I mean, that one post, I wrote that five years ago, and it's still, that's how you found me. Yeah, Um, true. It's still here. And so that post created a second business for me, brought in women 
and men from around the world to talk to me about it, open up conversations with brand new people. And we never really think anyone is going to understand what we're going through. So we keep it hidden. But really, when you open up the door and you start to communicate about it, things happen. So talking about it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. And from there, your new platform the was born, voice. right? Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about the unapologetic voice. Well, the idea is that we embrace our stories, our message and our voice in such an unapologetic way that we really feel confident and comfortable sharing various slices of our own experience with people. So in that example of me talking about burnout, I got to the point where it really honestly was a little scary for me to hit submit to that editor. And within a matter of I mean, six hours or something, that post was live. And it ended up on like the front page of the Huffington Post. So that concept of the unapologetic voice is that you are so secure in your voice that you are free to use it and share your stories. So I help women, most of my clients are women, um, but I do work with men who come forward most of my clients are in the States, but I do, I have a number of clients in Europe mm -hmm. and we work on figuring out what part of your message and your story is your kind of designed message for you to share so that you get to make an imprint and an impact in the world. And we figure out ways to do that. If it's a, if it's a speech, if it's a book, if it's, you're supposed to create a business from this and offer workshops so that other people can learn from you. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Very good that you've initiated this. So, but how does it feel to be able to become powerful again and, and make such a contribution to, to the world, to the society? It feels so much better. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then um, being in that space of still being in bed, looking at the clock, praying it's not as, you know, past a certain hour so that you have more time to work. I don't miss that at all. Like I, I don't usually set an alarm these days and that's freeing. Just the idea of being able to do something. I am, this is my gift. Storytelling is my gift. My first business was a dream. I fulfilled it. I'm happy that I went through it. But really, going through that experience is part of my story, and then allowing me to be in this point. So I'm so grateful for all of it. But it feels so much better to be in a healthier mindset, running a business, feeling like the CEO versus an employee of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and only and also really helping people. So it's, it's, yeah, Yeah, I uh, that, um, that gives such a, a good feeling. I think if you're able to do that, and you, you see the people transform and uh, and move uh, move further with their 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 dreams and their wishes. Yeah, so I mean, it's beautiful. The first business, the reason I ended up with burnout to begin with, is because I created a business that grew so fast, and I was totally unprepared for the demand. I've learned from that, and now I created a business that can have uh, you know online courses i get to set my hours i get to grow in a sustainable way versus an explosive rat race and i helped people in that first piece but now um yeah feeling uh i get to do this on my own time in a bit slower manner i don't know the pace is different and i appreciate that yeah yeah There are a lot of people suffering from burnout, but also a lot of people that have recovered from burnout recently. If you could send out a notification, let's say smartphone or device notification to everyone on the globe experienced with burnout, 
What few words or sentence would that then say? <clears throat> if it helps, could also be a quote. I love this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, that, and it's his concept of success. And I was given this when I graduated from college and I framed it and it's something I always come back to and it's the idea of success. And I feel like that's sort of why so many people get into burnout is because we're constantly striving to find that piece of ourselves or of society. The concept of being successful is something I think so many people are driven by. And so I've kept this front and center for a long, for a number of years. And it's, here's his definition, success to laugh often and much to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition. To know even one life is breeds easier because you have lived, that is to have succeeded. And going through burnout, I think the idea is that I'm helping so many people, I'm doing this, and we put ourselves last. So when I looked at this again, the concept of to laugh often and much, that stuck with me more than anything else. And that sort of gave me permission to play. So finding your own definition of success, not by how much you work or how many people you help, but by how you feel doing it, I think changed everything for me. And so if you are in burnout, redefine your definition of success. Really look at what it means to you to be in that space. And if you are unhappy doing what you're doing, you get to choose how to change that. And I highly recommend you look at finding a way to feel better, happier, so that you can appreciate what you're doing versus feel obligated to do it. Uh, yeah, I think I totally agree. I think that's a very good point that you've noted. Yeah, Define your own definition of success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. I think that's that's key for everyone. But it also forces you to to look inside what your definition is, and that this mm -hmm. will take some some brain uh, dumping, some so a lot of thinking and feeling to find that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yes. So to wrap it up, I just have two questions specific on your country, the U.S. So. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So to find lessons also from other countries and and share learnings across the world. Okay. What, what would be a specific reason for your country to have such a high volume of burnouts? And this might be commonly known, but neglected. Um, so when I, I've actually written a book about my experience and when I was doing research, women who were known as millennials were the highest, were the most stressed people in America. And this was, you know, a couple of years ago. And the reason they were actually reaching their second career by the time they were 30, because personally, my, my and, and in the research I've done, the fact that we're so easily accessible these days and everyone is on their cell phones and everyone is Instagramming everything, we're constantly putting ourselves in a place of having to respond and know and read and post consistently. Even, I mean, people are being hired to do these things for companies, sometimes more than one company at a time. Yeah. So the more technology advances our society, I think there's less of an understanding of how to detach from it. And so we just try to figure out how to do life in addition to it. And unfortunately, women specifically, for some reason, have had a negative reaction to it and yet still um, can't find a way 
to recover from or find space in their life until they get to that point of like desperation. I have to do something different. But um, a lot of research points to the social media component. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of there's a lot of research being done on that as well with the, the, the beauty of technology, uh, technology and advancements, but also the, the, the downside of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think this is something you see in all Western uh, countries, of course, mm-hmm. and not only Western, but all over the world, actually. So, yeah. And it's also a specific method to recover also from, from the U.S. So a, a specific method origi- originating from the U.S. Is there a specific method? I... <laughs> so for I instance, don't... we have, we have in the Netherlands, we have this, this great guy called the Iceman and he takes you to ice, do ice baths and stuff like that. And cool. although this is that, that's a really cool method, but it's not the the method to do when you're actually in burnout. But it is a method that helps you prevent stress, but not when you're actually really burnout. So that's that's our sort of specific from our country. Is there anything specific from the U.S. that you know of? Well, since Ariana Huffington wrote this book, Thrive, which is about her experience with burnout, more and more corporations have offered. There's actual like businesses that bring in sleep pods into their offices to help people literally rest and detach during the workday so that they never get to that sense of exhaustion. More Mm. businesses are encouraging their clients to take mental health days, to use their vacation days so that they come in again, refreshed and avoid that place of exhaustion. And so I think a method here is in that sense of sleep and finding a little bit more balance, even if it's in the workday. So I think, yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's Facebook or if it's Google. I think it's Facebook. They have a lot of play opportunities in their workplace. And so there is that concept of having to find a little bit more lightness in your actual day to day so that you don't get to the point of that's it. I quit. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Very good. Yeah. So sleep pods. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. And taking breaks throughout your day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Carrie. I think your stories were very inspirational. There were a lot of key points that I've noted down for myself and I would de- definitely also include in the show notes. For instance, your uh, non-negotiable list and adding playfulness to uh, to your recovery um, <laughs> period. Yeah, that's uh, that's very good. Are there any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? There's so many people that go through this. You're not alone in it. And as you know, reach out and talk to somebody about it. I had a conversation with a girlfriend last night who was like, I think I'm at burnout. And I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, we can talk about that. It is a well-known topic and there are plenty of people that you can speak to about it. Yeah, it's a good one. And how can people best reach you? Or learn more uh, about you or your program. I am at carrieseverson.com. I have a contact form. You can happily, you know, send me a note. I respond. I'm very easily found on in my Facebook group, Unapologetic Voice. But jump over to my, you know, my website and send me a note if you need to talk. Yeah. And you're on Twitter, I saw, and on YouTube. And your yeah. podcast is live on the podcast platforms, yes. the Unapologetic Voice. Yes. I'll definitely link out to your website, carrieseverson.com, yes. and also these profiles to make sure our listeners are able to find you. Thank you. So again, thank you so much for chatting with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. 
Head over to burnoutpower.com for the show notes with key takeaways and all the links. So burnoutpower.com and easily find yours by searching on episode number or the name of our guest. For my next episode, I have a few amazing guests lined up for you. To grab their powerful insights as well, please tune in. To get notified, make sure you click on that follow or subscribe button and you're set to move you away from your burnout history. Speak to you next time. Bye for now.